0: Well, it's great to be directing our gaze to Jesus again this week. It's his love that we sing about, it's his love that sustains us, and it's his love that we share with one another. First John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Today, we wanna continue to embrace the love of Jesus for those who have suffered most among us in these last few weeks, as we again focus on social justice for the black community. So we're gonna hear from Donnie Griggs. Many of you know that Donnie is a pastor of One Harbor Church down in North Carolina. He shared this message with his congregation a couple of weeks ago, and it has some real insight into how we can continue to express our love to the black community. His context is slightly different since they are located in a smaller coastal town with a strong southern influence, uh, and that culture has its own history uh, and tendencies. But let's pay attention to some of the very universal truths that he reveals that just illustrate the love of Jesus right now. Some of it is challenging. But ultimately, I think there's much that each of us can take away. So can I encourage you to listen, not for what doesn't resonate, but for what we can learn, what we can take away, and what will help us look honestly at the things God may be highlighting through this time. Donnie's words are full of grace and humility, even as he's wrestled with the issues of race and racism in his own heart. So without further ado, here's Donnie Griggs.
1: Donnie here. Um, we just want to take a few minutes to talk about racism. I wish we were doing this in person, but we're not, and I, we're just going to make the most of this opportunity. So, first thing uh, is that, man, really, both sides of the political spectrum have really been unhelpful with this whole subject, and and they they constantly kind of work to spin us up. And, and what that's done is it's caused us not to be able to hear each other or to hear the other side. And, and so, I'm hoping that in this video we can take a step back from all of that and we can actually consider, you know, what what's really what's really true and what's really good. Secondly, um, there's gonna be a lot of things that I don't that I don't get to say and and I, I want to acknowledge that, but I also think that's okay because a lot of videos and a lot of contents being produced right now, you've probably already watched and heard a bunch of stuff. Uh, and so I don't have to say everything because a lot of people are saying lots of things. Uh, so we're just going to focus in on things that I think we need to consider um, as a church. I'm honestly uh, intimidated by this. Um, I'm a little afraid I'm, I'm afraid that I'll say the wrong thing or that I'll say, you know, the right thing in the wrong way, or that I'll say the right thing in the right way, and, and, and people will still get the wrong um, conclusion. I, I'm selfishly, and kind of as a human, I'm afraid that I'll be misunderstood. Uh, I'll, I'm afraid I'll be labeled as a this or that, or that I'll be accused of virtue signaling by even talking about this in the first place. Uh, and so I just want to acknowledge all that. And this, is, this is a tough thing to talk about. And maybe you're already going, why are you even talking about this? Um, you're just a pastor. Well, that's why I'm talking about it, Um, because I think this is not first a political issue, this is first a theological issue. Um, It's an issue that God cares about, that God speaks about in His Word, and as a pastor on a team of other great pastors, this has always been what we've done. We've tried to talk about true things, even when they were hard things, because God cares about them and we should care about them, and they affect the way that we live our lives, and so that's why we're talking about this. On this particular issue, more than I think any of the other issues that we've really taken a stand on in the years, uh, be it addiction or abortion or human trafficking or you know, hurricane relief, this issue more than any of those, I think has the most complexity and therefore the most opportunity uh, for misunderstanding. Uh, and so my hope in this video is to just make clear where we stand. And we're gonna talk about some really hard things over the next few minutes. And I hope that you'll stick with us all the way to the very end the first thing is what do we mean as pastors at one harbor when we say the words black lives matter what do we mean by that Um, i'll start by saying what we don't mean there is a a sort of radical political side of this that we are not ascribing to um we we would oppose you know violent protest and and rioting and and looting we would totally oppose that right we would obviously oppose that Um, and and i've heard lots of people well-meaning people say Why can't you just say all lives matter and in fact i've said that in the past i've said hey all lives matter so why why do we need to say black lives matter since there's so much baggage that seems to go along with that phrase there's so many people doing you know things that that we wouldn't condone under the umbrella of black lives matter well let me let me use an example that i think might be helpful um we use the words pro-life okay so um when when we talk about being pro-life uh, we talk about wanting to stand up for the, for the, the lives of the vulnerable, um, you know, the, the most vulnerable, the unborn. And when, when, when you might be someone watching this video, I would imagine who's, who is pro-life and, and you would say, yes, I, you know, I'm, I'm pro-life. What if someone said, yeah, all lives matter? Well, you would say, of course all lives matter, but, but these babies, they need someone to stand up for them and that's what I'm doing. Um, And and so that I think is a really helpful comparison because all we're saying when we say black lives matter, we're not saying that only black lives matter, but we are saying that in in our day and our time and in our nation that someone needs to stand up, people need to stand up and say, hey, black lives are particularly vulnerable and we care about them. And so that's all we're saying. Another example would be um, as a church, we responded to uh, the hurricane in, in, uh, in Ocracoke and Hurricane Dorian, and we jumped up and effectively we were saying that, you know, Ocracoke lives matter. And someone could have rightly said, well, what about the lives of people in the Bahamas? I mean, they were decimated by Hurricane Dorian, far worse than, than Ocracoke. And we would have said, of course, Bahamas, but you know, you know, people in the Bahamas, their lives matter. Of course they matter. Um, but, but these are our people, and they're right down the road from us, and, and they matter. And there are people writing articles around the country last year saying, you know, it's their fault. They live on a barrier island. They should just, you know, move off of there. We shouldn't help them. And we would say, no, they've lived there for hundreds of years, and they, they matter. There, there's just a time and a place where you stand up and say, of course, all lives matter. But in this moment, what needs to be said are these lives matter. And in our moment, what needs to be said um, is black lives matter. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just go back to the tension, but, but, but people have said and done bad things under the umbrella of Black Lives Matter. Of course, but let's go back to the pro-life movement. I don't know if you remember in the 90s, if you were even alive in the 90s, but in the 90s there were, there were lots of instances where people were blowing up abortion clinics and killing abortion uh, doctors and nurses under the umbrella of the pro-life movement. And what would all of us who were pro-life say in that moment, we wouldn't say, you know, uh, that was right. we wouldn't condone it we, we would we would say, please please don't please don't um, don't don't penalize the, the unborn, the vulnerable, the unborn because of the actions of a few people who have taken this cause in, in the wrong way in the wrong direction we We vehemently oppose the, the the bombing of abortion clinics but but we want to stand up for the light, the, the rights and, and the life of the unborn and in the same way i I, I wouldn't I would encourage us not to denounce the, the phrase Black Lives Matter, to denounce the, the heart behind that um, because some people do bad things in the name of Black Lives Matter. Um, another op- you know, pushback might be, well, why not talk about black on black crime? Or why not talk about you know, black on white crime? Or why not talk about white on white crime? And I think it goes back to the same thing. Do we think that all of those crimes are bad? Of course, all crimes are bad, like all lives matter. But the reality is that um, in our nation, in, in our day, um, most people believe that all those other crimes really matter. But this thing of white on black crime seems to be a thing that c- can fall under um, the umbrella of being sort of okay. You know, maybe it's not that big a deal. And so that's where we feel the need to, when, when, when people feel the need to say Black Lives Matter, they're saying, hey, actually this needs to be said in, in a way that other things don't need to be said because everyone already agrees on those things so uh, let's move on to another um, kind of hot topic if you're still with us in this video um, is is this kind of who's a racist Uh, i think um, anytime this comes up i think a lot of us uh, white people would say well i'm not a racist and i don't know any racist and none of us are racist i think it's gotten to the point where it's really hard to admit you're a racist or to admit that you struggle with the sin of racism um, there's so much cultural shame attached to it that it's just—it's almost impossible to admit that. And I think you, you basically got to be some like neo-Nazi Ku Klux Klan leader to say you're racist, and even those guys don't think they're racist, right? So, so either there are, in fact, very few actual racists still alive, or—or or a lot of us are actually struggling with the sin of racism and we're not aware of it, we're not acknowledging it. And I think that racism as a form of prejudice is more prevalent than we think. I think it's popping up all the time. I think more people may be racist than, than we think. I'll give you another example. Some of my friends have um, said you know, that it took them a long time to move from, I drink a little bit too much, I might have a drinking problem, to I'm an alcoholic. That's because there's a lot of shame attached to saying, I'm an alcoholic. And you don't want to be associated with that shame and that stigma. It's hard to admit you're an alcoholic. It's easier to say, sometimes I drink too much. I think in the same way, it's hard to admit that you are a racist. It's hard to admit that you struggle with the sin of racism, but it's easier to say, yeah, I laugh at racist jokes every now and again. Yeah, every now and again, I think some racist thoughts, but I'm not a racist. I'm white, if you haven't noticed. Kind of super white, bald head, big beard, tattoos, drive a four, four by four Jeep. I'm about as white as you can get, right? I hunt. I fish, I do all those white people things, right? Um, and I grew up in a place and a time where I think racism from my perspective was, uh, was more acceptable. And this has definitely shaped my views on black people. Now, I've always had black friends and I've always cringed at black jokes and I've never really thought of myself as a racist. But to be honest with you, when I think about my own heart, when I examine my own heart, I've struggled, if I'm honest, with racism throughout my life and I've often consciously had to make decisions where I uh, d- decide not to give in to the sin of racism. And I hope that me admitting that helps give some of you the confidence to admit that too, because I think that admitting that is the first step to God bringing healing and change in our hearts and in our lives. Maybe you're going, I don't know if I'm a racist. I don't think I'm a racist. Well, let's just kind of identify some of those. How would you know? I've already mentioned humor, You know that kind of just um, acceptance of, of jokes um, against black people, um, enjoying that. I, I think another thing would be feelings of superiority. Um, maybe you would say, or probably just think, you wouldn't say it. You might, might, might think things like, I'm not a racist, but and I just don't like black people. Maybe you think, I, I'm i not a racist, but I, I just don't trust black people. I'm not a racist, but I hope that black family doesn't move into our neighborhood or maybe it's i'm not a racist but my daughter better not home better not bring home a black man now what i'm trying to help you see is that it might feel good to say i'm not a racist but what follows is what comes from a racist heart it's the sin of racism maybe you wouldn't overtly think those things maybe you would never think those things maybe though there's a subconscious reaction to black people that shows there's 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 racism in your heart. And I think that, that's really what fear looks and feels like. I'll give you a few of those examples. Maybe you would, you would never say or think those other things, but you, you would admit that you get scared when you're around black people. Maybe that's evidenced by you subconsciously even, you just find yourself locking the doors when a black man walks by your car. Maybe if you're a lady, you subconsciously want to know where your purse is when you see a black man. See we can say we're not racist, but actually those are the things that reveal that there's racism in our hearts. So black lives do matter and more of us are racist than we think. If you're still watching this, let's talk about another really controversial thing and that's the subject of white privilege. Now um, I think it's another one of those hot topics. It's been really, um, I think, confused by both political extremes and so I'm hoping that you'll kind of hear me as, as I try to explain this. Because I think a lot of us white people, we don't like the subject because what we think you're saying is that I should feel guilty for slavery. Uh, and we don't want to be told to feel guilty for slavery. We, we, we didn't personally own slaves, and so we, we, don't, we don't like this. So let me just try to, to clarify this by saying there's a big difference between white privilege and white guilt. Um, let me give you a, um, a, an example that might help. America, I think, is, is widely accepted. We're the richest nation in the world. And you might say, when you hear that, well, I'm not rich, don't come to me for a handout, but if you look at what we spend on coffee or dog food compared to what the average person in the world lives on every day, we are exceptionally rich. And wealth always brings privilege. And for our country, wealth has brought privilege. Because we're the wealthiest nation in the world, it's allowed us to do a lot of good for the rest of the world. We couldn't have done that good if we weren't the wealthiest nation in the world, right? Um, I don't think we should feel guilty for being the wealthiest nation in the world, but I do think we should leverage that privilege for the greater good. In the same way, white privilege is really an undeniable reality. And so really what it comes down to is not, we don't want to deny it. What we want to do is try to leverage it for the greater good. Now some of you are thinking it is not an undeniable reality. Let me try to convince you in just a a couple of seconds. The reality is that between um, white and black, there is inherent privilege that's towards white people. Only one race between the two of us was enslaved for hundreds of years right? Um, culturally, white culture ser- still serves as a baseline for culture. So if you, um, if you go to a movie and it's mostly white people, you know, actresses and actors, what did you go see? Well, you saw a movie. But if you go to a movie and most of the actors or actresses were black, what did you go see? Well, you saw a black movie. Why is that? Because culturally, we, we use white culture as the baseline. Another example is some of my, my black friends have said they feel that they have to tone down their blackness in order to succeed or to be accepted in society. Whereas I'm sure most of us white folks feel we can just kind of be ourselves. And I'm not scratching the surface on systemic racism in, in this video, but what I'm hoping to do is not make you feel guilty for being white, but to hope you, I hope I can just help you acknowledge the fact that there is a reality to white privilege and what we should do with that is leverage it for the greater good. And when we, as white people, when we stand up and we say this this racism is wrong, when, we, when, when people hear us say that what happened to George Floyd is wrong, it, it carries a different kind of weight. Because the, the honest truth is we, we don't have to say it, and people are surprised to hear us say it. It would be easier for us to look the other way. It would be easier to, for us to play the whole thing down and just why don't we just do that? Maybe some of you are thinking, "I wish we would just stop talking about it. This thing will just blow over, and the writing will quit, and everything will change. It'll just be..." It'll but I want to ask you, fellow white people. I know that not everyone watching this is white, but I who I'm mostly speaking to you here. If Ahmad Arbery getting chased down by a white father and son and videotaped as he was shot to death in broad daylight, that that's not enough. And if George Floyd laying on the ground begging for his life, handcuffed while a white man kneeled on his neck, that's not enough. If you've watched both of those things, I'm hoping you have actually. If you've watched for nine minutes, watched George Floyd beg for his life, that's not enough. I wanna just seriously ask you, what would it take for you to finally go, man, enough is enough? I think for many of us, that's the point where we're at. Man, enough is enough. This is not okay. And so whatever whatever privilege we have, we want to leverage it for the good. We want to to add our voice and speak out and say, this is wrong. Which brings us to our next hot topic we gotta talk about, and that's police brutality. And what we would say is that police brutality, when and where it happens, is wrong. And that's not controversial. A lot of my friends are police officers, and they would say that any good police officer would vehemently condemn what happened to George Floyd. Right, so that's not controversial now we've got these different sides one side says you know that uh, we should never hold police officers accountable That's one far extreme and the other far extreme says that we should hate the police and we should elicit violence towards the police and we, we would oppose both of those extremes now This is not what I'm going to give you. It's not a criticism of our local police department at all. It's not even a criticism of all police officers everywhere. But this does happen, and so it it needs to be addressed. And again, I want to use an example. We'll step back from this hot topic, use an example that I think can be a a lot can help us really you know understand this a lot better. And that one is uh, sexual abuse by clergy. This one affects me, affects my profession. Right? Um, From time to time, you will hear of priests and, and pastors who sexually abuse children. And if there was a protest against sexual abuse uh, uh, you know, by clergy, uh, if that was a protest happening, w- would we be a part of it? Absolutely. Now, and, and being a part of it, would I be saying that all clergy everywhere abuse people? Absolutely not. Would I be saying that we should not have any clergy because some clergy abuse people? No. Would I be saying that, yeah, we all kind of abuse people? No. I, I, I would just be saying that 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 when this happens, it, it's sickening. It's, it's sickening when when these mostly men prey on vulnerable children, it's sickening and it's wrong, that's what we would be saying. It's wrong and although it's not us and although it's not everyone, it does happen and we're against it. In the same way, we are against police brutality just like we're against clergy sexually abusing children because when it happens, it's sick and it's wrong. We're not saying it's all police, but we are saying sometimes it happens and it's wrong. Now, even though um, sexual abuse by clergy isn't something, thank God, that's affected us as a church, it still affected us. It hasn't happened here, but it's affected us. Uh, w- one example is that we, when we meet with you know, uh, people of the opposite sex, our pastors will always either have the door open or they'll have, um, they'll have glass on the door so that everyone can see in. This is not so much because we're worried about us sexually abusing someone that we're talking to, this is really about us increasing accountability and increasing confidence in people who are meeting with us. And that's not because of something we've done or think that we'll do, but it is because of what other people have done. And it's happened enough that it's affected us and it's caused us to, to need to take some action, right? Now, in the same way, I think attempts by our local police or police in our country to increase accountability and to increase confidence in, in those who they serve is not... In this, is not admitting that they're all racist by any stretch of the imagination. It is like, for us, it's a second-order effect. It's it's a response to a reality that, unfortunately, this has happened so many times that that we have to take some steps to model accountability and to increase confidence. Um, this shouldn't even have to be said, but we are so thankful for the police. We are so thankful. Um, we. We can't imagine our community without them. We have such a great relationship with the police department here. We have such great respect for them. And I've seen them go out of their way to love and serve and build respect in our community. And I've heard from you know some of my black friends who are from here that they, they, they've echoed that sentiment. And so we're very thankful for that. And I, I, I hope that that would mean we wouldn't have a George Floyd type tragedy here in our area. But um, it's not only the police that this, this happens with. And, uh, and that that really brings us to our, our last thing that I want us to consider together to grieve um, and to fight against. Um, I, I think that for a lot of us white people, we can go. Of course, slavery was wrong, and you know, of course, uh, you know, um, segregation was wrong, and of course that thing over there that one time, and that thing over there that one time, and those things are. But 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 is it really that big a deal? You know, and isn't most of this behind us? Didn't, didn't Martin Luther King and civil didn't the civil rights movement didn't it settle most of this stuff? And I want us just to acknowledge that still, still, in our day, violent racists still, they feel empowered and emboldened to act on their hatred and their fear. You know, what happened to Ahmad as he jogged through that neighborhood wasn't because of the police. It's because he was black. He was just a black man going for a job. He was hunted down in broad daylight. When, when uh, Dylan Roof, uh, the 21-year-old white male, went into that black church and opened fire while they were having a Bible study and killed nine people, nine black people. I mean, what, what he did was rooted in, in, in fear and in hatred, but he felt emboldened and empowered to do so. Racism is still a darkness that we, our generation, must push back on. We talk about this all the time as a church. We want to push back darkness. We say that all the time. And we've we've modeled that. We've pushed back on the darkness of addiction. We've pushed back on the darkness of human trafficking and all kinds of other things. This is really no different. Shouldn't feel any different. This this racism is a darkness that must be pushed back on. It's a sin that must be repented of. If you've watched this video, maybe you're thinking, gosh, this is a lot for me. This is my first time really thinking about some of these things. Man, I I pray just grace and patience on you as you consider this. It's a journey that I'm on. That a lot of us are on and uh, man if you need help with any of that we'd, we'd love a chance to try to help you um if you're watching this and going I, I, geez i didn't realize i dealt with the sin of racism but i, I get I, I really do i think i do what should you do well i wouldn't you know just do better and try harder i i would say repent go to god and say god forgive me for thinking these ways of people made in your image by made by you in your image and change my heart make me more like jesus change my my eyes and my mouth and my, my, my feelings change me. Make me make me more like you. If you want to dialogue about this, and maybe some of you do, we would love that. Um, we don't want to do that on comment section on a video. It's not a great way to have a, a really good conversation. We want to sit down face to face. And so if you'll just email us at the office, we'd love to set something up. If you're watching this going, I'm fired up and I want to do something. What should you do? Well, the first thing I would encourage you to do is don't, don't get all self-righteous and start condemning everybody around you. That is a weakness to the sort of like woke aspect of our cultural moment. We go from having never thought about something and been guilty of it our whole lives, to being a total expert, to condemning everyone else in like a matter of five minutes. We watch one video and boom, there we are, we're woke. Um, man, I, I would encourage you not to do that. I think it does more harm than good. I would encourage you to, to pray for, for, for healing in our nation. In our communities, to learn from and listen to people of color, to repent where you can and where God leads you, to avoid the lowest forms of dialogue that's just like fighting it out on social media. No one's actually really getting anything done. And and another thing you can do is you can join us um, on June 14th on Sunday, June 14th. We're going to gather. We're going to have a service in the morning for for our church, our Moorhead site. But then we're going to gather at 12 o'clock on the lawn, and we're going to. We're going to stand together with brothers and sisters of color around the community, with our police department, and we're going to stand together against uh, racism, and we're going to pray together for God to bring healing and change like only He can. God bless you guys.
0: Well, I hope that was helpful for all of us, and I just want to thank Donnie for really putting himself out there and risking to discuss some difficult things head-on. I encourage you to consider these things prayerfully and in the spirit of love that they are intended. There is an increasing number of people in this country who are crying out for racial justice at this time and we are uniquely positioned and empowered by Jesus to model it. Jesus said in Matthew five fourteen, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So It's important for us to remember that we don't give ourselves to these things just so we can be upstanding citizens and and do the right thing. We do this so that our light shines bright in a dark world, drawing people to the love of Jesus because of how brightly we reflect it. Monument, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let us make every effort to demonstrate God's vision of peace and freedom for everyone. We wanna continue to thank the frontline workers among us, and as Donnie mentioned, those who are part of law enforcement. At Monument, that's Charlie Swinford, Danny Warner, and Danny Cruz. We realize you guys are under some unique pressure at this time, and we so appreciate the work that you are doing. Let's pray that God would just continue to lead us and help us in this. Lord, we just thank you so much for your good grace and your love that you've not only shown to us, but you want to work through us and to those around us. Help us during this time, Father. Help us to recognize some of our own frailties and faults, the things that you wanna conform to the likeness of Jesus so that we can be bright lights in the community around us, to the individuals that we interact with on a daily basis. And so we praise you and we honor you and ask that you would continue to be with us as we go forward, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks, Monument. I look forward to seeing you again soon.